Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Cherry Pickers Podcast, a podcast where we talk all things hockey. I am Zach, a.k.a. Zoo, and I'm joined here with my co-host Brody. How's it going, everybody? We're going to do a little bit of recap of last week's trade deadline. It was a pretty crazy one, episode 8, and let's get right on in or... Yeah, episode number eight, which means, Brody, this is our two-month anniversary of the Cherry Pickers podcast. It's been a ride so far. It's been a blast bringing everyone, uh, you know, up to date with the uh, what's going on in the hockey world. And we've had a bunch of fun with our little discussions here and there. But like Brody said, we are going to get into recapping the 2022 NHL trade deadline. It was pretty busy. There was quite a decent amount of trades. I've got them all up on screen ready to go. So we're going to look at each trade one by one in order of what happened on deadline day. We're going to compare it with our notes and see uh, where we predicted that player to go. And then we're going to talk about who won the trade, the actual trade. So let's just hop into it with the first trade on deadline day. So that would be the Florida Panthers acquiring defenseman Robert Hag from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a sixth round pick in 2022. Um, we didn't have Robert Hag on our trade bait list, so we didn't predict anywhere where he went. Brody, I think this is a pretty straight, uh, straight cutoff trade. I don't think anyone's really a winner or a loser here. Florida gets a little bit more depth of uh, defense in Robert Hag. Buffalo gets another pick in the upcoming draft to help build their uh, prospect pool. So I think that's pretty much a straight cut trade there. The next trade that happened, Brody, I want your thoughts on this because I'm very confused as to what Ottawa did here. Um, the Ottawa Senators acquired defenseman Travis Hamanick from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a 2022 third round pick. What do you think's going on there? What's the idea behind that trade, Brody? If I had to guess, I would say it's probably just to add a veteran presence on defense to help with the leadership aspect. I mean, Ottawa's still a very young team, and they're still rebuilding. And Hamannick's a solid defenseman, like a top four, kind of like a two-way shutdown guy that I think could help him. I think it's more so just adding a veteran presence to a young group. That's just kind of what my thoughts are there. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because the next two trades – are really the reason why it's so interesting. Travis Hamanick, you know, he's, you know, <laughs> he's a decent defenseman. He's very shut down. He's very gritty, plays with a lot of heart. He's got a hard shot on him. But, uh, yeah, this is a guy that, you know, a couple years ago, the Flames traded for him, and they gave up a first and two seconds. So to see him go for a third kind of sucks. Seeing, you know, he's dropped off quite a bit. He's had a lot of issues personally that he's dealt with. But uh, the reason why this trade confuses me so much Well, first of all, remember, Travis Hamannick, right shot defenseman. Our next trade is the Los Angeles Kings acquiring defenseman Troy Stetcher from the Red Wings in exchange for a seventh round pick in 2022. Troy Stetcher, also a right-handed defenseman. So that's where I'm a little confused as to why Travis Hamannick was able to fetch a third because you get another player who's quite frankly younger and a little bit less in cap hit in Troy Stetcher. Same-handed shot, and we all know that right-handed shot defensemen are hard to come by in the NHL. And LA only has to give up a seventh, so that's definitely an interesting one. I think by far LA is the winner of that trade. You know, they're sitting second right now in the Pacific Division. They're trying to get a little bit more depth for that defensive or for that for that cup run, add uh, some depth to their defense. So. Yeah, um, and then we had one more trade after that, which just adds to the confusion. The Canucks then, with their cap space, acquired defenseman Travis Dermott from the Leafs for a third-round pick. So, Brody, I have a question for you. 
with your third round pick, would you rather have Travis Hamannick or Travis Dermott? I would rather have Travis Dermott. Uh, he's definitely a younger defenseman. I think he still has potential to grow into a good defenseman. So for me personally, for a third rounder, I would rather have Travis Dermott. I think there's no question there. Travis Dermott, younger. He's got more potential to grow. Um, he puts up more numbers offensively than Travis Hamannick. It's just, it's a really like head scratching situation in Ottawa there as to what that trade was all about. Not too sure, but uh, yeah, the Canucks end up uh, <laughs> the Canucks end up flipping Travis Hamannick straight across for Travis Dermott, which is pretty good for Jim Rutherford there in Vancouver. So I'll give him props for that. Then the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, fill that hole that Travis Dermott left them by acquiring defenseman Mark Giordano and forward Colin Blackwell from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a 20, uh, 2022 second round pick, uh, second round pick in 2023, and a third round pick in 2024. Who wins this deal, Brody? Um, Right now, I'd probably say the Toronto Maple Leafs win this deal. Uh, there's no question that their division is insanely hard. We actually just looked at the standings today. They're in a wild card spot, the Leafs, right now. And they're 40-19-5, mm -hmm. I believe. And... Florida have 42 wins. The Bruins have 41. Tampa Bay is like 40. Like, they're going to be in a complete dogfight to get out of that division. So it's clear they needed to bolster up that back end. And Mark Giordano is a really solid defenseman. Uh, he has that chemistry with TJ Brody from when they played together in Calgary. So there's familiarity there. So for me, I would say right now the Leafs definitely win this trade. Yeah, I think the... I, I don't know. It's like, it's a good return, obviously, for Seattle. They get two seconds and a third out of it, which is what they need. They just need draft picks to build up their prospect pool. They really don't have a lot going there. So I think it's a good trade both ways, but I think Toronto really comes out in the winning end only because of the fact that they didn't have to give up a first-round pick. And that's the big thing there, I think. Uh, with how expensive this trade deadline was, I think Giordano could have easily fetched a first-round pick. So... Good on Kyle Dubas there in Toronto to not have to give up that first-round pick and still get Giordano and get a decent little, you know, fourth-line center in uh, Colin Blackwell as well. Um, like you are saying, yeah, he has that chemistry with TJ Brody. Um, he was born in Toronto. Um, and, yeah, the fans gave him a nice cheer in his, uh, in his first game in a uh, Maple Leafs jersey. Uh, just imagine, Brody, when Jake Muzzin comes back. <laughs> Toronto's got a top four decor of Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Mark Giordano, and TJ Brody. Like, <laughs> that's terrifying. But you did make a good point. They are in a dogfight of a division, and you need a decor like that to even compete in that Atlantic division. Like you said, they're in a wild card spot with 40 wins and 18 losses. Like, that's just crazy. Like, this, that, that record is good enough to be, you know, uh, one point short of the Flames for first in the Pacific. That's easily second in the Central. Um, even in the Metro, they'd be, you know, like two points out of second place. So, for them to be in a wild card position right now is just absolutely ludicrous. But, yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Mark Giordano. So, Brody, where did you have Giordano going? I had him going to the Vegas Golden Knights, so I was wrong there. What was the return like? Uh, I had Mark Giordano and a 2022 second-round pick to Vegas uh, for a 2023 third, a 2024-4th, 50% retain, and forward Riley Smith right. is what I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a big boy trade. 
I almost hit this one on the nose. <laughs> like, almost to, like, the draft years and everything. Like, so, uh, the trade was Giordano and Blackwell. I believe Giordano was 50% retained for a 2022 second, 23 second, and a 24 third. I had Giordano 50% retained to the Leafs for a 2022 second and a 2023 third. So, I had the second and the third right. If I would have just had another second and Blackwell going the other way, I would have hit that one right on the nose. I think that was the closest I got to predicting a trade at this deadline. There were some wild card trades in here, man. Just like this one, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning acquired forward Nick Paul from the Ottawa Senators for forward Matthew Joseph and a fourth-round pick in 2024. What are your thoughts on this one, Brody, with the Lightning and the Senators? Who do you think came out on top with that trade? Uh, for me, honestly, I think it's a wash. I don't really think anybody comes out on top. I mean, Tampa Bay adds a little more depth for the playoffs uh, with their forward group, and then Ottawa gets like a pick for the future and another player for – to add to their prospect pool and just continue with their rebuild over there. So for me, I don't really think anybody necessarily wins. I think it's just a hockey trade in this one. Yeah, it's definitely a hockey trade. I think uh, realistically, I think the winner depends on what that fourth round pick turns into. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they acquire Nick Paul. They add him to their third line with, uh, with uh, Brandon Hagel. So they're building up a scary forward court for a three-peat attempt. And, uh, yeah, Ottawa gets another young forward. They get another draft pick as well to help on the rebuild. So I agree with you. I think it's a hockey trade. I don't think anyone really uh, comes out as a loser out of that trade. I think both teams win in that one. So then we move over to uh, Nashville. The Predators acquired defenseman Jeremy Lazone from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a second-round pick in 2022. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think the second round pick's too high or too low? I think it's too high. I mean, I don't really know much about Jeremy Lazon, to be completely honest with you. But if he's just like a, a depth defenseman, then I would say like a second round pick would definitely be too high. But again, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know a whole heck of a lot about him. So I can't really say for sure. Yeah, he's just kind of a physical, you know, stay-at-home defenseman this year um, with Seattle, only six points in 53 games, 67 penalty minutes. So he's definitely a tough guy, um, loves to throw the body. He's definitely stay-at-home. He's not known to be a scorer. Um, his highest points in a season is eight in 41 games with the Bruins last year. So he's definitely a stay-at-home kind of guy, but uh, I I think a second is way too high. After seeing Travis Dermott go for a third and Troy Stetcher going for a seventh, I don't see why Jeremy Lazon would go for a second. But it does help Nashville. They're in a, definitely a tough division as well, that central division with, you know, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Nashville themselves. Um, even Dallas is, you know, trying to make a, chance and even winnipeg too they're trying to get into a playoff spot so i think adding jeremy lazone definitely adds that uh that style of play that you want to have in the playoffs but once again i think a second is a little too much for that one so then we move on to another team in the central the winnipeg jets they had a very very interesting trade deadline they um they kind of did the exact opposite of what they are supposed to do. They they really had to choose one. It was either buy or sell. They had they either had to go all in or they had to just sell. And they kind of just sat in the middle. This is one of the trades that uh, made them sit in the middle. They reacquired forward Mason Appleton from Seattle. Seattle originally took Mason Appleton in the expansion draft in exchange for a fourth round pick in 2023. Um, but yeah, going back to Winnipeg there... Um, they only made, I think, two moves. No, they made three moves, sorry, at uh, trade deadline. 
they brought in Mason Appleton, they brought in another forward, and then they sold a forward. What what are your thoughts on uh, Winnipeg's moves at this deadline, Brody? Honestly, I'm surprised by Winnipeg's lack of, I guess, aggression at the deadline. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really, like you said, they only had two options because at the time of the trade deadline where they were, it was either they had to add to make a playoff push or they had to sell, and they didn't really do either of that. They were just kind of not really doing anything, which was really surprising to me because, like, if they were still thinking they had a shot to make the playoffs, which they still do as of right now, you'd think they'd want to go all in and add players to help them with their playoff push, and then they did the opposite, and they did, like, nothing. So I was pretty surprised with Winnipeg at the deadline, to be honest with you. Yeah, you look at them right now, and they are sitting sixth in their uh, division, in the Central Division. They are only what? They're only four points out of a playoff spot, two games in hand on Vegas. So there is a chance that they can sneak into the playoffs. But that's the thing you got to realize is that when you're a team that's maybe has a chance of making the playoffs, you got it. You you have to buy or you have to sell. There's no in between. Like because if you don't buy or sell. You're going to just miss the playoffs. You're going to have a pretty low lottery pick. Like, you're going to be picking, like, you know, 13, 14 kind of thing. So, it's a situation in, in Winnipeg where Shovel Dayoff just has to say, okay, we have to choose right now. Are we in it to win it or are we retooling for next year? And that decision was not made. And, uh, yeah, they got rid of one of the top six forwards, which we will um, get to in a bit here. But they brought back two, you know, third, fourth liner guys and, uh, yeah, Winnipeg did not do at all what anyone was expecting. It was very disappointing to see what Winnipeg did at deadline day. But let's move on to the Dallas Stars. They make a decent little trade here. They acquire uh, goalie Scott Wedgwood from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a conditional fourth-round pick in 2023. Wedgwood actually just made his Dallas Stars debut. I think he made something like 44 saves, and he got Dallas the win in his debut with the Stars. So a nice little backup goalie. I know uh, Dallas has definitely been having issues with their backup goalie. Hudobin, you know, uh, injured and uh, Ben Bishop retires and Holby injured. Um, Jake Ottinger has been playing like an absolute stud for Dallas. So it's nice that, that they have that number one goalie. But uh, bringing in Wedgwood is actually, I think, not a bad option to have as your second goalie. So a nice little splash there by uh, Dallas there to only give up a fourth to get a decent little backup goalie. What do you think of that transaction there, Brody? Again, I think it's just another hockey trade. I mean, Dallas is just adding depth with their goaltending, and then Arizona is getting another draft pick to help with their rebuild. And it makes me wonder, too, what's going to happen with Braden Holpe mm -hmm. or so like past this season. Um, and, yeah, Anton Hudobin's been injured. Uh, ben Bishop ended up having to retire because of a bad knee. So yeah. they've, they've had their issues with goaltending over there. So makes sense that they add a backup goalie in Wedgwood, who's still relatively young as well. And, yeah, it just makes me wonder what's going to happen with Holtby past this season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Dallas, they're, they're, uh, they're one point back of Vegas right now. They got three games in hand on Vegas, so they're definitely not out of the playoff hunt either. So I think it's definitely a hockey trade as well, like you said. They're acquiring that depth and uh, that reassurance in the net there 
to help him get closer to a playoff spot and Arizona gets more draft picks. <laughs> so that seems like a trend there. Arizona is just tooling up Seattle, Arizona, Montreal. They're just pulling in all the draft picks, get all the prospects. So we got another relatively small trade here. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins acquire uh, Nathan Beaulieu from the Jets in exchange for a conditional seventh. I think there's not much to say there. You know, it's just another uh, pickup by the Penguins to get uh, some more depth going into the playoffs. The Jets get a seventh round pick out of it. Um, then we move over to a little bit of a prospect trade, and this one's interesting for me. So the Arizona Coyotes acquire forward Jack McBain from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for a second round pick in 2022. So Arizona gives up a second rounder this year, which is going to be a very high pick in the second round, um, for a prospect. What do you, what do you think the thought process is there for both teams, Brody? Oh man, that, that's a tough one to say, to be honest with you. I mean, if it's a high second round pick that they're giving up, like that could potentially turn into a really good player in like their own right. So I'm a little confused with that mindset there i mean jack mcbain i i don't know much about him but he definitely sounds like a solid prospect if they're he giving... was a um, third round pick by the wild in 2018 33 points in 24 games for boston college this year so yeah definitely uh by the sounds of it a pretty solid forward so yeah um it's tough to say i mean that second round pick could turn into something good but as of right now i'm not really sure the thinking behind that, to be honest. I think uh, the Arizona Coyotes must see something in Jack McBain, or either that or Jack McBain just didn't want to sign with Minnesota, and Minnesota knew that. But uh, being able to pick that guy up for a third-round pick, flipping him for a second, and it's going to be a high second too, basically the equivalent of a low first-round pick. So I think, um, yeah, I think Arizona might be gambling a little bit on Jack McBain. I don't see why he, you know, isn't going to grow into a decent NHL player. But Minnesota gets a, a nice little pick out of that as well. So, yeah, interesting trade there between the Coyotes and the Wild. Then we move over to uh, the Eastern Conference. The uh, Washington Capitals acquire Marcus Johansson from the Seattle Kraken. And, or no, it was just Marcus Johansson um, for Daniel Sprong, a fourth-round pick in 2022 and a sixth-round pick in 2023. So, Marcus Johansson, um, I believe he was the player that also got picked up in the expansion draft by the uh, Seattle Kraken. So, he goes back to Washington where he's played most of his career. What are your thoughts on that one, Brody? Uh, again, I, I think it's a good hockey trade. I mean, Marcus Johansson's a solid forward. He's going to add depth to the Washington Capitals because they're making a playoff push as well. And we all know to get out of the East this year, you're going to have to have some good depth because every team in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs right now is a very good team. And uh, yeah, like Seattle adds depth in getting Daniel Sprong. He's still a pretty young forward. Uh, he'll add depth to them and to get a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick as well it's definitely not a bad return for them so for me I, I see it being a hockey trade and benefiting both teams so I was absolutely wrong about Marcus Johansson he was not picked up in the expansion draft uh, from Washington he actually the last time he played with Washington was 2016-17 uh, he played two seasons with the Devils after that a season with the Bruins uh, well 10 games with the Bruins uh, season with the Sabres and then half a season with uh, Minnesota so I was completely wrong about him being picked up from Washington in the expansion draft but uh, yeah this is a guy that uh, 
His career high points in a season is 58, 24 goals in that season. So he definitely knows how to uh, get points on the board. Um, he played five seasons in Washington, or actually six seasons, sorry, in Washington. He was a first-rounder by the Capitals in 09. So he definitely has a lot of uh, history and a lot of ties to the Washington Capitals. And I think uh, for Washington, bringing back a guy that has some chemistry and has some connections with the team and uh, can help them with their depth scoring and uh, even on the PK and stuff like that too, I think it's a good pickup for Washington. I think it's a good one for uh, Seattle as well. You know, Daniel Sprong's been one of those guys that uh, he reminds me a lot of like a uh, not quite a Jake DeBrusque because Jake DeBrusque hasn't moved at all from Boston, but uh, Daniel Sprong's been one of those prospects that's like, he had potential to be a very good goal scorer, and he's kind of just bounced around and uh, hasn't quite hit that potential that um, he's known to have, but I think uh, bringing him over to Seattle in a place where there's, you know, zero pressure to perform, and uh, getting a couple picks out of that as well, I think it's a good trade for Seattle as well, so... Then we have another trade. This one's more of a uh, cap dump. The Arizona Coyotes uh, acquire forward Brian Little and the rights to forward Nathan Smith from the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a fourth. So with that trade there, it's just Winnipeg dumping cap space and uh, you know getting a fourth-round pick out of it but giving up the rights to a prospect. So I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. I don't think we need to really discuss who won or lost that trade. Um Here's another one here, a minor league deal. Um, the Kings acquire defenseman Frederick Allard from the Nashville Predators in exchange for forward Braden Burke. Um, cool tie here with uh, Braden Burke. Braden Burke was actually part of the trade with uh, our fellow uh, townsman, Tyler Steenbergen. He was part of that uh, trade that sent Tyler Steenbergen to the Los Angeles Kings. Unfortunately, Tyler did not sign a deal with the Kings, and he's now playing in Liga, but kind of cool little tie there, the trade. I think it was uh, – I know Imama was a player that went back to Tucson. I can't remember the other player, but then uh, Braden Burke and Steiner went over to L.A. So minor league deal there with the Kings and the Predators. And then we go on to a little bit bigger of trades here. So we'll start with this one. The San Jose Sharks acquired goalie Capo Kakinen and a fifth-round pick in 2022 from Minnesota in exchange for Jacob Middleton. So, what do you think about this trade, Brody? I like that trade for San Jose acquiring uh, Kakinen. I mean, it's no secret that San Jose's goaltending hasn't been exactly the greatest, and uh, they're a team that's more so, I would say, retooling, maybe not mm -hmm. exactly rebuilding, um, they still have good players in Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, Timo Meyer, Logan Couture. Um, so adding a piece like Apple Kakinen and Ned is definitely an upgrade for them. So I like that for the for the Sharks. And uh, Minnesota's goalie tandem now with Flurry and Talbot I have to add too. That's a very solid tandem for them, and that definitely gives them a good goaltending option come playoff time. Yeah, San Jose is in a very weird spot. So I'm going to start with Jacob Middleton. He's a former seventh-round pick by the Los Angeles Kings. Um, from the looks of it, he never signed a deal with the Kings and signed a deal with San Jose right out of the gate. Played three seasons in the AHL with the Barracuda. Um, this is Jacob Middleton's first season in the NHL, like first full season. Um, before this season, he played a total of 14 games in the NHL. This year, um, 45 games with the Sharks, 9.69 penalty minutes. Nice. Plus three. Um, yeah, I think the thing about Middleton, it's just, it's a really weird trade because you're giving up Kakinen, who 
has potential to be a very good goalie in the future and a fifth round pick on top of a guy that really hasn't proven himself like yes he's a you know he's big he plays physical um he adds that you know strength and grit to the minnesota blue line for playoff time but giving up a fifth and you know a goalie of your future potentially for him i just i don't know about this one and the thing about uh, San Jose, we were talking about it as them uh, retooling. They're in a very interesting situation cap-wise. So, let alone right now, just between Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, that's almost $20 million until the year 2024-2025. Then they have uh, James Reimer and Aiden Hill, who are also locked up for another year after this one for a combined about $4.4 million. Um, you got Kevin LeBanc that signed almost five million. You just extended Tomas Hurdle for a, what an eight by eight. You got Logan Couture making eight million. They have a lot of money tied into players, and they got Mark Edward Velasic until 2025-26. So you have a ton of money, like right there, just looking at your defensemen. And Carlson, Brent Burns, and uh, Vlasic, who by the way are 31, 37, and 34 years old respectively. That's like $26 million right there in those three defensemen. So San Jose is in a, I, I don't know. They're in a really, like, they're making questionable moves. They've got a lot of old players locked up for a lot of years. So I don't know when we're going to see San Jose as a contender in the future because I think it might be a while. Like, they've just got a lot of money tied up into older players. So what do you think about that, Brody? Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, they've got older players. They've got money tied up, which makes it difficult for them, too, to to bring in those prospects to fully rebuild because, I mean, teams probably aren't going to want to add that kind of money onto their roster, so they would have to retain a lot of salary, which still isn't going to benefit San Jose still having to pay players a 50% retain, which they would still be paying them quite a bit of money. So they're really in a pretty tough spot to really be a contender or even a full-on rebuilder they're just kind of stuck in limbo with that yeah logan couture he signed uh eight million dollars per year until what 37 years old carlson signed for 11 and a half mil until he's 36 brent burns is signed for eight mil until he's about 40 uh velasic signed for seven mil until he's about 38 39 like <laughs> i don't know man san jose is doing some weird stuff over there but let's keep going with the trades the next trade that happened was probably the biggest trade of the deadline minnesota wild acquired goaltender mark andre Fleury from the chicago blackhawks in exchange for a conditional first round pick in 2022 i can't quite remember what the condition is i thought it was a conditional second that turned into a first i can't quite remember but what a splash who wins the deal brody I'm going to say the Minnesota Wild win this deal, and the reason I say that is because Marc-Andre Fleury is still a very good goaltender at his age. He's going to be a very good goalie for Minnesota. They have a great tandem now with Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot, and the first-round pick that's going to Chicago, the conditional, is going to be a later first-round pick as well. It's not going to be a very high first-round pick. So for me, I would say the Minnesota Wild win this deal. And I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> Just despite things. So, you got to remember, what did Chicago pay to get Marc-Andre Fleury? 
Do you remember? No. Exactly. It was a prospect that I think he was taken in like the sixth round or something like that. They basically stole Marc-Andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights for free. And they flipped Marc-Andre Fleury for a first round pick. So they basically just stole Minnesota's first round pick for practically nothing. So all in all, I think Minnesota definitely comes out good. Because they get that solid 1-2 punch. That 1-A, 1-B punch of Fleury and Talbot. Chicago comes out great because they got a first round pick for nothing. And Vegas loses this trade. <laughs> Straight up. Vegas loses. Alright. Next trade. A uh, smaller one. Uh, Nashville acquires defenseman Alex Biega from the Leafs for future considerations. Once again, there's just another depth trade. Predators just getting some more uh defenseman in case of injury or whatnot for the playoffs coming up then the next trade we had was the rangers acquiring defenseman justin braun from the flyers in exchange for a third round pick uh where did you have justin braun going brody uh let me take a look here i had braun to dallas for a third so i had the the pick right i just had i had the team wrong so Yeah, I had Braun going to LA for a second, so I might have overpaid a little bit, but uh, not by much, really. But yeah, Rangers acquiring uh, Justin Braun. What do you think of that deal there? I like that addition for them. I mean, he's a solid top four. He's kind of like a a decent shutdown guy. He's not going to put up a whole lot of offensive numbers, but he definitely brings a physical presence as well which I think is going to be a benefit for them, especially going into the playoffs. And right-handed shot defensemen are also hard to come by, so I think that's a pretty solid addition for them. I agree with you on that one. I think that's a great pickup by the Rangers, able to only pay a third. I thought it was going to be a little bit more for Justin Braun, but yeah, getting a nice shutdown right-handed shot defenseman. Add to their blue line, they're already decent blue line with uh, you know Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, Keandre Miller's really come out into his own this season, so... I think that's a good trade for the Rangers as they, you know, push through a tough Metro division as well. So next trade was the Bruins acquiring defenseman Josh Brown and a conditional seventh in 2022 from the Senators in exchange for Zach Zenishin and a fifth round pick in 2022. A fun little fact about this one. Um, Zach Zenishin, this was the 2015 draft, right? I'm pretty sure it was the 2015. Yeah. It, no. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So 2015 draft. <laughs> Man, the Bruins, they screwed the pooch on that one. He's part of the uh, three picks in a row that the Bruins had in the first round. The Bruins selecting Jake DeBrusque, uh, Jacob Zaborl, and Zach Zenishin. Brody, do you remember the three players that got picked after that? Kyle Connor, Matthew Barzell, and Thomas Shabbat, I believe. You're right correct after. on that one. Yeah, those were the next three picks after that one. So it's interesting to see there uh, the Bruins... All they have left out of that 2015 first round is uh, Jake DeBrus, which we will get to in a bit here. Um, but yeah, Zach Senishin, he's, uh, you know, always had that potential of being a high, high goal scorer and just uh, hasn't clicked anywhere yet. But uh, let's see if he can find his stride in Ottawa. The next trade is another big one. And Brody, you predicted the right team on this one. Congrats to you. Uh, the St. Louis Blues acquired defenseman Nick Letty. And Luke Witowski from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for defenseman Jake Wallman, forward Oscar Sundquist, and a second-round pick in 2023. What was your prediction there for Nick Letty? 
I had the team, but the return I was way <laughs> off. I had uh, Nick Letty to St. Louis for a third round pick and fifty percent salary retained is all I had on that one. But at least I got the team you got right. Got the team so. right. That's all that counts. <laughs> the uh, trying to predict the uh, return for players is way harder than getting the team right. So I don't really in these trades. I don't expect any of us to get the return right, but uh, getting the team right is good enough. But what do you think of this trade for St. Louis, Brody? Uh, I, I don't mind it at all. I mean, Nick Letty is a veteran presence. He's a Stanley Cup champion with Chicago. He's going to bring that experience to an already relatively experienced team in St. Louis. Uh, anyway, um, they're going into a playoff run in a tough central division. Adding a solid 6th, 7th defenseman in Nick Letty is not a bad option for them. So I don't mind the trade for St. Louis. I think this one, I think if this trade would have happened a year earlier, I think this would have been a steal for the St. Louis Blues. But Nick Letty's been a little bit off this year playing for the Red Wings. Um, Jake Wallman's been relatively solid for the St. Louis Blues this year on their blue line. Um, Oscar Sundquist is not a bad guy, too. He's a big, big power forward Um can put the puck in the net as well and a second round pick is not bad especially when you think about it it's um the blues they're you know in the central division they're in the third spot right now this is like the the second round pick is for next year but that central division is still a tough division too you got six teams that are all competing for you know three spots there and uh this this you know this pick could fall out of you know a playoff pick and it could fall into a lottery pick so i don't know i think nick letty he's been good um but i think uh i think it's just might be a little bit of an overpay um i know a lot of detroit fans didn't really know who oscar sunquist is and uh you know how i remember oscar sunquist brody does it have anything to do with Hendrik Lundqvist or some along those lines or it has something to do with a guy by the name of uh tom wilson Oh, okay. Fair enough. He's the guy that uh, Tom Wilson blindsided in preseason and got 20 game suspension for it. Do you remember that? I don't remember that, no. You don't remember that? No. Tom Wilson, yeah, he blindsided Oscar Sundquist with a hit to the head and got a 20 game suspension in preseason. So that's like the only reason I remember Oscar Sundquist. But I know he's a, he's a big right-handed shot winger. He can put the puck in the net for you. So yeah, interesting trade there. I see, you know, you, you can see where both teams are coming from, the Blues. And I think a sleeper part of that trade as well is Luke Witowski. He is a gritty player, and he plays with a lot of heart. So I think uh, if Luke Witowski can crack that uh, Blues lineup going into playoffs, he's a guy that you don't want to play in playoff time. So that's, uh, yeah, a trade for both teams. Not bad for both teams. We'll have to see how it kind of, you know, develops. But the next trade was another big one, the uh, Colorado Avalanche trying to uh you know bolster their roster and uh you know be even more demanding come playoff time they acquire forward Arturi Lekkinen from the Montreal Canadiens the return is uh defense prospect Justin Barron and a second round pick in 2024 who wins this trade Brody um, to be honest with you, I think it's one of those hockey trades. I mean, Arturi Lekkonen's a pretty decent middle six forward. He's going to bring depth to an already loaded Colorado Avalanche team. Uh, Montreal gets a second round pick and a prospect in Justin Barron out of it. So that definitely helps with their rebuild. Um, for me, I think it's just a hockey trade and I couldn't give you a clear cut winner on this one. I think this is going to be one that might backfire in Colorado's face. Um, 
Justin Barron is a very good prospect. He was taken in the first round, 25th overall in 2020 by the Avalanche. He's a right-handed shooting defenseman, and he can score. Like, he really can score. In his last year of juniors, he put up 31 points in 33 games on the blue line. Um, and then uh, this year, he has, what, 20 points in 43 games and a plus 10 in the minors. And he's only, what, like 20 years old. So I think the pay for Arturi Lekkonen is a little high, especially I would have just done Justin Barron straight up for Arturi Lekkonen. But then you got that second round pick in there as well. And it's 2024, so who knows? In a couple of years, Colorado could fall off. You never know what could happen. So I don't know. I think it's a little bit expensive. Well, quite a bit expensive for Colorado. But, you know, that's the sacrifice you have to make when you're going for a Stanley Cup. And with Colorado not having any success past the second round in recent history, you got to make those trades and you got to get those pieces that uh, boost your team to get past that second round hump. So. I think this is uh, one of those trades where it's right now, it's okay, but it could backfire heavily in the future. So that's another trade we'll have to keep tabs on. Uh, we got a smaller trade here. And surprisingly enough, Brody, this is the only trade that the New Jersey Devils made on this deadline. The New Jersey Devils are not a very good team. They're, uh, <laughs> they're sitting second last in the East right now. They have 51 points, which puts them fourth last in the league. They only made one trade this entire deadline, and they acquired the Hamburglar. They got Andrew Hammond from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for forward Nate Schnarr. So what do you think about uh, New, Jer New Jersey's silence this trade deadline, Brody? Um, honestly, I'm not that surprised that New Jersey didn't really do anything. I mean, they're the bottom of the East or very close to, um, they've, they've got young players. They don't, they didn't really need to add anyone because I didn't really think it was going to make much difference this season. They have so much cap space that I think more of their splashes are going to happen in free agency, if anything. Um, New Jersey has had injury problems with goalies this year, so I understand why they got went out and got the Hamburglar. So for me, honestly, I'm not all that surprised by them being quiet at the deadline. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of makes sense. With New Jersey's core coming up, they're very young with guys like, you know, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, etc. Um, yeah, I think not making it splash this deadline is definitely a smart move by them. They, you know, want to develop their core and... Uh, get some growth out of them this year. You know, this year is going to be a wash for them and they're looking to, you know, come back next season a lot better. And I think uh, you're right with, you know, having more cap space next year will definitely be more important for them than this year. And not selling off, you know, key pieces of that core that's going to be coming up is definitely smart for New Jersey. So I agree with you. I think it is smart for the Devils to stay a little bit quiet at this trade deadline. And uh, they sure did that. They only made one trade and they got to Andrew Hammond. So then we got another trade. The Washington Capitals acquire uh, forward Johan Larson from the Coyotes in exchange for a third-round pick in 2023. This is another, you know, straight across, you know, pretty obvious trade. You know, Washington acquires, you know, some center depth. Uh, the Coyotes get another draft pick. So pretty straightforward there. Um, we have a couple more of those straightforward trades. Uh, Nick Merkley goes to the New York Rangers from the Sharks in exchange for defenseman Anthony Boteto. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning acquire Riley Nash from the Coyotes in exchange for future considerations. And then another one, uh, Colorado gets uh, Andrew Cogliano from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a fifth. So those are all pretty obvious. Um, with the Nick Merkley and Boteto trade, that's kind of just, you know, swap scenery. Um, 
Riley Nash to Tampa Bay, give them a little bit more depth, and same with Colorado there, acquiring Andrew Cogliano, get them more depth going into playoff time. And Cogliano is a he's a guy you want on your team when it comes to playoff time. He's a great, you know, bottom six forward. Um can play great PK. You know, he can put the puck in the net from time to time. He's a good passer. So I know Brody knows all about Andrew Cogliano. Brody probably, you know, loves Andrew Cogliano. What do you think, Brody? What do you, what do you like Andrew Cogliano or what? I mean, I didn't really mind him when he was with Edmonton. I mean, I was more like a fan of Hemsky. Um, That's fair, yeah. Those kind of players like Gagne when he was there, um, Eberly Hall, etc. So for me, Cogliano, like, yeah, I mean, he played for my favorite team. So, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm going to like him <laughs> when he's there. But he really wasn't like a fan favorite for me. So, honestly, I kind of have a just a normal opinion of Cogliano. That's fair. <laughs> fair enough. Let's move on to one of the bigger splashes. Um, the Rangers make a big splash. They acquire forward Andrew Kopp in a six-round pick in 2023 from the Jets in exchange for forward Morgan Barron and two conditional second-round picks. Um, in 2022 or 2023, and then a fifth round in 2023. So cop to the Rangers for Morgan Barron, two seconds and a fifth. Um, I'd like to talk about this one, but this one's also pretty obvious. You know, Andrew Cop, he's going to be a uh, a free agent coming up. Rangers are looking to add depth. They needed centers real bad after uh, Zubinija and Strom. They had really no one, so they needed centers. They needed depth scoring, and you know, Andrew Cop is a workhorse. He plays power play. He plays penalty kill. You know, he does everything for the team that he's on, and he's, he's just a hockey guy. He loves the game. So I think this is a good trade, definitely for the Rangers. They pick up some more depth. Um, but this is where we are talking about with the Jets. They trade off one of their better forwards when they're not technically out of a playoff spot and don't bring a whole lot back in. So what do you think about this trade from the aspect of the Jets, Brody? Uh, an aspect of the Jets, I don't really get it too much i mean because what we talked about earlier they didn't really full-on sell and they didn't full-on buy and they gave up one of their better centermen when they're trying to make a playoff push so for me like the return they got doesn't seem all that special to get cops so i'm i'm a i'm a little confused with winnipeg on that one to be honest with you like yeah and the other trade the Jets made was acquiring Zach Sanford from the Senators in exchange for a fifth. So they got rid of Andrew Kopp and they brought back Zach Sanford and Mason Appleton. But yeah, when it's, uh, you know, who like when you're trying to replace Andrew Kopp with Appleton and Sanford, it just it doesn't cut it, especially if you're a team that's not eliminated from the playoffs yet. So I agree with you. I don't know what the Jets are doing. It's going to be interesting come next year as well. I think uh, they have a good team on paper. They obviously, you know, led by their star goalie, Hellebuck, um, you know, Wheeler, Shifley. They got a good blue line as well. So it's definitely interesting to see. I feel like the Jets are thinking that this year's just a one-off and they've had kind of bad luck and they're hoping to get, you know, better luck next year. But uh, yeah, I don't know what Winnipeg is doing. It's interesting. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Oilers for a second here. The Oilers made a couple trades. They acquired, first of all, defenseman Brett Kulak from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for uh, William Legison, a conditional second in 2022 and a seventh-round pick in 2024. Brody, what are your opinions of being the Oilers fan um, on Brett Kulak? 
Um, I, I like what Kulak can bring to Edmonton. Um, he's going to help with their five-on-five goals against. I mean, he's a, he's like a sixth, seventh defenseman. He's a shutdown D-man. Um, I think he's going to bring a veteran presence to them as well, come their push for the playoffs. However, I don't really understand giving up Lagesson and a second to get him when I feel like Lagesson, even though he was younger, kind of brought that similar game anyway um i don't know but it, i mean it's clear with edmonton too they have nima linen philip broberg they have a lot of defensemen coming they, up. they have they have a lot of prospects coming up as well so i guess i can understand it but at the same time like it just seems a little high to give up for kulak in my opinion but nevertheless i think he's still a a solid addition to the team. He's definitely a solid defenseman. I know he's definitely, you know, come into his own in the last couple of years. I know when he was with the Flames, he was kind of, he was like a six, seventh defenseman for the Flames. He didn't really have that important of a role. He didn't have that much of an impact on the Flames game in the last, like in the years that he was with the Flames. Um, but yeah, he's definitely come into his own in the last couple of seasons. And I think he definitely brings a good, you know, like a, like a solid, you know, you know, uh, aspect to their game with the, with the Oilers blue line, it's hit or miss. Definitely. You know, Darnell nurse has his on nights and his off nights. Um, same with Duncan Keith, Cody CC's actually played relatively well for the, uh, Oilers this year, but I think he just brings another one of those stable pieces to the Oilers blue line to help them out and give them more confidence, especially going into these playoffs. So I like the trade. I agree with you. I think Legison in a second is a little high. I would have said something more like Legison in a fourth, but these uh these NHL GMs know what they're doing, obviously. So, you know, there's the trade there. The Oilers also made another trade getting Derek Broussard from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for a fourth. So adding to their uh, forward depth there, helping out their bottom six, definitely bringing in, you know, a guy like Derek Broussard is a pretty decent little player to bring in, a decent veteran have that veteran presence, and he has playoff experience as well. So uh, those are the two trades that the Oilers made at the deadline. Um, another splash in the trade deadline day, the Pittsburgh Penguins acquired forward Ricard Raquel from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for forward Zach Aston Reese and Dominique Simone, the rights to goaltender Callie Klang, and a second-round pick in 2022. Who wins this trade, Brody? Well, first off, before I get into that, that is another trade to the team I got right. I did oh, yeah, you did Ricard get it right. Raquel. Yeah, you did. I had Ricard Raquel going to the Penguins for a, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 third, and 50% salary retained. So I got the team right, and again, <laughs> I didn't get the return right, but it's almost impossible to get the return right anyway. I think right you anyway. beat me. I think you got more teams right than I did. <laughs> so congrats to you. Because I suck at it, apparently. <laughs> Anyways. So what what did you say the return was again? Zach Aston Reese, Dominique Simone. So Zach Aston Reese, Dominique Simone, the rights to goalie Callie Klang, and a second round in 2022. Ooh. Um, by the sounds of all those returns, I feel like it would be like a wash. I mean, Raquel's a good player. He's going to add to the Penguins for their playoff run. Um, he's still a relatively young forward, I think, too, isn't he? Like late twenties, yeah, he's late twenties, thirties. I don't think he's thirty. Yeah. yeah, no. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what that second round pick is going to turn into. I would say right now the Penguins win the trade, but in the future, depending on how the second round pick turns out, 
And I'm not sure who the goalie they got. I really don't know much about him either. So it's hard for me to give an opinion. But right now, I just feel like the Penguins adding Ricard Raquel is a pretty good pickup for them. So I'm going to say Pittsburgh. I'm just looking up Cali Klang here. He was a third-round pick in 2020 by the Ducks. Um, he's playing for Rogel in the SHL right now. In 17 games, he has a 10-5-0 record, 9-15, and a 2-28. So decent stats, actually. Like, not bad at all. Um, Raquel, yeah, he's 28 years old. So he's still got some, you know, years left to play. Um, I don't know. This is a tough one because, like, I think uh, – Shoot, I don't know. This is this is definitely a tough one for me. I I like Zach Aston Reese's game that he brings. He's a good, you know, third fourth line winger. He's you know he's two way kind of guy. Dominique Simone um hasn't done a whole lot in the NHL. He's bounced around quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This is like I I agree with you on this one. This is kind of a wash for me. But there is one thing that I was a little bit confused about. So, uh, Ricard Raquel, right? He gets two roster players, the rights to a prospect goalie, and a second rounder. Now, if we move forward to one of the trades that happened right at the end of the deadline, um, the Carolina Hurricanes got Max Domi from the Blue Jackets um, in exchange for a prospect, Aiden Hreschuk, I want to say is his name. Um, I'm going to pull up their stats real quick. I want you to talk about your opinion on that trade. Brody, I want you to talk about uh, what you think about Max Domi going to the Hurricanes, what that brings to the Hurricanes team there. Yeah, Domi, uh, he definitely brings a lot of a toughness to the Carolina Hurricanes. He brings more depth scoring. He's a really solid player himself. Uh, he can skate. He's physical. Uh, he plays with a tenacity to him. Uh, and he's had some good seasons with the Montreal Canadiens as well. I believe he had like a 70-point season or something like that a few seasons ago with Montreal. So he's definitely a good player. And, I mean, Carolina's got a lot of depth. Uh, it's clear that they're going all in this year for a Stanley Cup. So I definitely like the addition of Max Domi for them. And I guess we'll see how it works out for them come playoff time. Okay, so here was my issue I had between the Ricard Raquel trade and the Max Domi trade. So Ricard Raquel has a slightly less cap hit. It's 3.8 for this year. Uh, Max Domi's 5 million this year. So about a million and 1.2 million less. But Ricard Raquel in 51 games with the Ducks this year, uh, 28 points in 51 games. Max Domi, in 53 games with the uh, Blue Jackets this year, 32 points. The return for Max Domi was a third-round prospect. And the return for um, the return for Ricard Raquel was two roster players, a prospect goalie, and a second-rounder. So that's my issue with the Ricard Raquel trade. I think, I think it was an overpay for Pittsburgh. I think they paid a little too much to get Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel has like he's not the craziest offensive player and he's honestly kind of come down a little bit since his uh first few seasons in the league his highest point season was 69 points nice in 77 games with the ducks in 2017-18 um but after that 43 points 42 points uh 28 points in 52 games last year and then 28 points in 51 games this year so he's not the craziest scorer and quite frankly i think max domi has a little bit more scoring potential than ricard raquel does so i don't know i think in that trade with the pittsburgh penguins i think pittsburgh definitely overpaid for uh ricard raquel so what are your thoughts on that brody 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really followed Ricard Raquel too much. Like when I was uh, saying what I thought about the initial trade, I was kind of going on what I knew about Ricard Raquel beforehand. Mm -hmm. But now kind of after hearing his recent point productions over the last few seasons, um, I mean, twenty the 2021 season it's kind of hard to say as well because they played significantly. Well, the less 2021 well. season, he had 28 points of 52 games. This year, he had 28 points of 51 games. So basically, the exact same scoring pace as last year. Yeah, so he's definitely fallen off from previous seasons for sure. So after hearing that, yeah, it definitely seems like two roster players, a second round pick, and a goalie prospect would definitely be a bit high for that. So. Yeah, I would agree with you after hearing about that. It does seem a bit high for Raquel. Yeah. I think Carolina walked away with an absolute robbery of getting Max Domi for just a third-round prospect. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, a guy that, you know, fetches you 32 points this year in 53 games on a team that is very – they're not good. Columbus is not good. And he's got 32 points in 53 games. Like, that's just absolute robbery. And he's a plus two. So, it's like you got a team that's got a negative goal differential, and he's a plus player on that team in 32 points in 53 games. And you get him for just a third round prospect, that's just that's robbery for me in my opinion. I think that's a great trade for Carolina. And I think if you're comparing the two trades, obviously Carolina did so much better, but I don't know. The Ducks trade with Raquel, it's interesting. You could look at it both ways, but uh I in my opinion, I think it's just a little bit of an overpay. But we got a couple more trades here, a couple more guys going for a draft pick. So Dallas acquires um Stinky Vlad Vladislav Nemesnikov. From the uh, Red Wings in exchange for a fourth round pick. I mean, that's pretty obvious there. You know, Dallas giving up a pick to get a little bit more depth scoring. Same thing with the Rangers here. I like this trade for the Rangers. They get Tyler Mott from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a fourth round pick as well. Um, I think if you were to compare the two between uh, Tyler Mott and Nemestikov, I definitely think uh, I'd rather have Tyler Mott. He's got so much more upside to him. He's a gritty player. He can score. So the Rangers add more depth at center, acquiring uh, Tyler Mott. The Flames made one trade this deadline. They acquired uh, center Ryan Carpenter for the Blackhawks in exchange for a fifth. Uh, Ryan Carpenter brings the same thing that Tyler Mott does, maybe just not as good. Um, the big reason why the Flames brought in Ryan Carpenter was because the Flames put Brad Richardson on waivers the day before, and he was actually claimed by the Vancouver Canucks, so that freed up a, one more roster spot for the Flames. They bring in a guy that's a couple years younger than Brad Richardson, has a uh, Stanley Cup ex experience, and uh, yeah, he plays that gritty game. I think he's actually penciled in for the lineup tonight in the Battle of Alberta, so I'll have to keep tabs on that. That should be his Flames debut, but... Um, and then... The Flames, actually, the, sorry, the Flames made two trades. This one, obviously, not as important. Um, so, what ended up happening was the Flames made that trade for Toffoli. They gave up a first, a fifth, and uh, Tyler Pitlick and got Tyler Toffoli. It sounds like um, Michael McNiven was supposed to be a part of that deal to go to Calgary, but... Montreal at the time was dealing with so many goalie issues that they had to keep a hold of Michael McNiven. And then after some of their goalies came back from injury, they moved uh, Michael McNiven to the Flames for future considerations. Well, the Flames flipped Michael McNiven for future considerations to the Senators at deadline. So those are the only trades that the Flames did. Pretty, you know, not really, <laughs> not groundbreaking trades at all. Um... Another trade here, the Seattle Kraken acquire forward Victor Rask from the Wild for future considerations. That's just straight up a cap dump for the uh, Minnesota Wild there. Victor Rask has definitely fallen off quite a bit. He's making, what, like $4 million or something like that. So 
that's just a straight up cap dump um and then that's pretty much it other than the max domi trade then that was a three tr uh three team trade it was a really it was, it was so weird so carolina got max domi and uh tyler Inamoto uh from the blue jackets um aiden Hrishchuk went back to the blue jackets from carolina then the panthers got a prospect igor korshkov and a six round pick to take on some of the cap from Max Domi. So that was a really weird trade. I don't no idea how that kind of went down, but Max Domi ended up going to Carolina. So that pretty much wrapped up the uh, trade deadline. It was fairly active. I was, uh, that was a long day for me, Brody. I know you were at work that day. So I was trying to keep Brody up to date with what was happening, but I ended up waking up at like five in the morning and I stayed up that whole day, just following along with the trades. But what were your thoughts on this year's trade deadline, Brody? Just in, in general, all in all, what were your thoughts? In general, I would say this is probably one of the most craziest deadlines in terms of giving up high draft picks to get players in return. I've never really seen anything like that before, like a first-round pick going for Ben Sherrod <laughs> and then like a second-round pick going for Kulak and then getting Max Domi for a third. Like there was some wild returns and big or like first round picks second round picks like high-end draft picks going for for like players that in my opinion i don't think were necessarily worth that yeah. but a pretty eventful deadline nonetheless and yeah i'm just uh, still... the play go ahead oh i was gonna say uh the playoffs will definitely be exciting to watch this oh, year absolutely. for sure I think just the one thing about this deadline I still can't wrap my head around is the fact that Travis Hamadick netted this save return as Travis Dermott <laughs> and Troy Stetcher only goes for a seventh. Like, I just, I don't know. This deadline was so weird. It was obviously a seller's market. Like, Montreal came out like bandits. They got a ton of return back for guys like uh, Ben Sherrata, Turi Lackinen, Brett Kulak, etc. Brody, top three teams... Who won this trade deadline? Who do you think are the three teams that won this deadline? Uh, I would definitely put Carolina in there. Uh, I would put the Maple Leafs in there, adding Giordano. And I would say the Bruins as well. I mean, they added Hampus Lindholm, who's definitely going to be a huge addition to them. And they just re-signed him as well. So, uh, for me, I would say probably Boston, Toronto, and Carolina. I think for me, you picked a bunch of the uh, the buyers, the playoff contenders. I think for me, the winners of this deadline would be um, Anaheim, Montreal, and Seattle. Anaheim got a fool's ransom for Hampus Lindholm, a first, two, second, and a roster defenseman. Uh, Montreal, like I said, got so much back for Sherratt and uh, Kulak and Lekkanen. And then uh, Seattle, they got a ton of draft picks. They got so many draft picks in the next couple of years, which is what they needed. They needed to boost their prospect pool. So I think that uh, those three teams were the winners, in my opinion. Um, who do you think was the loser of this trade deadline? Just one team. Who was the worst team that, that went off in this deadline? Um, Probably, if I had to say, I would probably say the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, who knows what Winnipeg's doing, man. We've, we've talked about this a lot, this podcast, but, uh, yeah, Winnipeg, they, 
kind of went in with no game plan and they definitely suffered for it um i think there is one team though brody that actually did worse off than the jets and we haven't talked about them once this episode you want to take a stab at what team that is hmm um hmm let me think here <laughs> um I'll give you a hint. They're not a good team this year. Not at all. So they're a non-playoff team. They're not doing very good. You got any you got any guesses? They're a non-playoff team. They're doing bad and we haven't talked about them once. Let's go with the Philadelphia Flyers. No. <laughs> but I mean Philly Philly didn't do all too great either. I mean they kind of had their hands forced with the Claude Giroux trade. They got I mean a third for uh Justin Braun's not bad, but I don't know. At least Philly was active. At least they sold pieces, which is what they needed to do. But the team that I think did the worst this trade deadline, the New York Islanders. You know what they did at this deadline, Brody? Nothing. <laughs> Actually, they did do something, but they didn't trade anyone. They re-signed Zach Parise to a one-year deal. That uh, amount hasn't been disclosed. But they also re-signed Cal Clutterbuck to a two-year deal with a 1.5 mil AAV. <laughs> That's all they did this deadline. They're a bottom four team in the East. And they didn't sell any of their prospects. Or not prospects, sorry. They're any of their players. And uh, it's kind of surprising to me because they could have got, you know, imagine what they could have gotten for Big Z. Like, that was one of the names that was being tossed around that eventually never did get moved. But you're looking at guys like Travis Hamannick fetching you a third. What do you think Zidane Jar Like, if you were to just make a, like, say Colorado wanted to acquire Zidane Chara, what do you think that trade would be like, the package in return for the Islanders? I mean, Colorado, if they were going to get Chara, honestly, they probably wouldn't give up very much. I mean, Chara's like 40 Four, but think of what he brings now, to but... a playoff team. You know, he's won Stanley Cups. He's got the physical presence. He's got the leadership. That's another big thing you got to factor in, too. What do you think they would have gotten for Zdeno Chara if they would have moved him at the deadline? I still don't think they would have got very much for him. I mean, maybe, like, a third-round pick, if anything. Like, I mean, Max Domi went for a third. So did Travis Hamannick. Chara being... <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I don't see Chara being on that like similar level to bring in anything more than that. I mean, for his age, I mean, sure, he brings leadership and a big presence, but but this is this is Zidane Chara we're know. talking about, though. Like, he's not. It's not like he's just on an NHL roster to be a leader. He's a decent defenseman still. Like, he's st even though he's what forty five years old. He still plays very good. Like, he's very responsible in his own zone. Obviously, he's physical. He can still fight. Like, we're not talking about a Travis Hamannick who's, you know, fallen off a cliff. Like, Zidane Char is still a good defenseman. I don't know. In my opinion, I think he could easily fetch a second, if not more. And I think the Islanders just missed out. Like, they didn't do a single thing, and they just had their phones on silent the whole deadline. But... I don't know. That I will mention. Uh, I will mention this too, though. The Islanders actually aren't a bottom four team in the East. They're no. They're actually like Columbus is ninth, and 
the Islanders are right below them. They're actually 28-26-9 okay, yeah. for 65 points with two games in hand on Columbus, and they're three points behind the Blue Jackets. So, no, they're not a bottom four team. But they're also they're 17 actually, points out of the second wild yeah, spot. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they're they're obviously not making the playoffs, but they're also not. They're not like a, terrible. A they are above they're not, 500. They're not awful. Yeah. They're not awful, but they're not great either. Yeah. They're just kind of there. I don't know. I think they missed out. They are, you know, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, but I think they missed out. I think they should have moved some, you know, pieces and retooled as well. There's a lot of teams at this uh, deadline, like Buffalo. Buffalo did nothing. Buffalo didn't make a single move at this deadline, which was kind of surprising. They're uh, 23-33-9. They're obviously way out of a playoff spot. But, uh, yeah, Buffalo didn't do anything either. So, I don't know. I just think the Islanders could have done more to help them, and they just sat still and did nothing. So, interesting but we should probably wrap this episode up brody it's starting to get a little bit long i know we uh we both have a lot of fun just sitting here talking about hockey talking about what ifs and uh, discussing what happened in the league uh, is there any more things you'd like to add before we wrap this episode up brody no i think that pretty much wraps it up for me to be honest with you so i think we're good yeah so next week we will get back to our regular coverage we'll talk about all the news in the nhl we uh just kind of figured, you know, with this trade deadline coming up, and it was a busy one that uh, we were going to have a lot to talk about. So hope you guys enjoyed the uh, longer episodes about our predictions and then what actually happened at the trade deadline. And uh, we appreciate every single one of you for listening to the Cherry Pickers podcast. Our podcast is available on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. We upload an episode every single Sunday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time. That is 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But we appreciate every single one of you for tuning in and listening along to our podcast. And we hope you have a good day or night. Take care.